Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet? Welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, it's all about WWDC and E3 and any more acronyms that we can think of. And we're joined by our UK Bureau Chief, Matt Smith. Hey, Matt. Hey, Dev. Hey, Sher. Pleasure to be back again. You sound so tired already, Matt. Yeah, it's like I you're done with us. <laughs> it was WWDC Monday, and now we're in, already in the throes of E3. And that kind of goes through the weekend until Nintendo <laughs> on Tuesday. So yeah, it's oh, going to be man. a long week. It's going to be a long week and a long weekend. But yeah, we'll we'll talk more about what you can expect from us. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes because that one really matters. And uh, drop us a line, a podcast at Engadget.com. If you have any questions or comments or whatever, you could join us live Thursdays around 10 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. That's always a fun thing because you can you can have some Q&A with us. You can hear the behind the scenes action and uh, you can hear what Matt really thinks of Sherlyn when you come to these yeah. things. Yeah. I like you always know with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> That's my catchphrase. So let's get right into WWDC, or Dub Dub, as we like to call it, because we we get lazy about talking about this thing. You guys, Matt and Trillin, you guys talked a lot about this on YouTube already, so you could go check out that live stream for the full event breakdown. But now's a good chance for us to say, hey, let's let's take a step back and just talk about what really matters. And I feel like there are three main pillars, right? iOS 15, it's macOS Monterey, and watchOS 8, to, to a lesser degree. iOS 15, I feel like, really stole the show this year at WWDC. What do you guys think? And what are what are the highlights from it this year? Okay, so this year for me was my first year really um, paying more attention to iOS than watchOS because right. we no longer have Chris Velasco, <laughs> that traitor. You, you basically uh, <laughs> killed and destroyed Chris Velasco and absorbed all his powers. Absorbed so, his corpse. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, but Chris Velasco is uh, moving on to another another fine institution, so we'll be seeing his work elsewhere. Don't worry. And, and back here sometimes too. Yeah. Anyhow, so iOS 15 was what uh, Apple kicked off its keynote with, and um, the thing I noticed about WWDC this year is that actually a lot of the stuff that was mentioned up front on uh, iOS 15 that section yeah. also kept reappearing throughout, and I think that it's it's more. It's pretty cohesive, right? Mm -hmm. Like the way one feature gets mentioned and you're like, oh, share with you gets mentioned at the start of iOS 15 and then it keeps popping up throughout too. So I I mentioned share with you. I think iOS 15, the very first thing that um, uh, Craig Federighi, uh, 
Anyway, uh, announced, yeah, yeah, one of the biggest changes or one of the apps that got the most changes this year, I believe, is FaceTime. And just the fact that, you know, they're enabling web links now for FaceTime Mm -hmm. calls and uh, allowing Android and Windows users to join your FaceTime calls. Only from those web links. Yeah, yeah. Right, browser-based calls. These are not like apps for those systems, but still, I mean, this was a, a theme that we saw recurring, and I think Matt and I talked briefly about mm-hmm. this on the post-show recap. But it seems like Apple is opening up in a in a multitude of ways. Uh, one is to be more, mm-hmm. you know, play nicer with a lot of other platforms, and second is to kind of open up features within its own software to kind of work yeah. better for its apps to work better across iOS. It, it um, seems like a distinctly Apple way of opening up, right? Because it's also very much about locking you in. I think based on all their announcements, I personally was like, oh, within 50 minutes, I guess I'm sticking with iOS mainly as, <laughs> as my main mobile OS because a lot of these updates sound really cool. FaceTime is getting like uh, multi-view windows for participants now. It is getting mm-hmm. a lot of like Zoom-like features, which is cool because I do- A little slow to get them. But I do FaceTime every day because that's how my daughter sees my parents, you know, most of the time mm-hmm. uh, during dinner time. So it's still nice to see. But uh, it is funny because Apple opens up while still keeping like one hand- held on to its own platform. They're like, hey, here, here's WebView. Here, like you're, you're not going to get messages. You're not going to get like the cool, um, you know, features from. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. that. Like that's, a, that's it's funny because that's the dichotomy I got from it all. It was very mm-hmm. much. Yep, yeah, sure. Like, here you go here. You can use you. Sure. You can use FaceTime on other devices in a, you know, a not quite adequate way through, you know, a web, a web app right. and the rest of it. And that's going to work. But the other major part, well, apart from notifications, I'm sure we'll get to that. But the other major thing was the share with you things. So the idea mm-hmm. that a lot of these uh, Apple services and existing apps and, and you know, things you're already using on your iPhone will now kind of inter, inter, interconnect with each other. So, it'll, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be a lot more richer interactivity through messages. You'll be able to kind of watch Apple TV and some other uh, video streaming services connected to mm-hmm. someone else who is on an ios device so it's like there's a little bit of like other people can use this but there's a lot of let's make this walled gardens walls even thicker is that does that mm-hmm. analogy work uh, absolutely yeah <laughs> speaking speaking of what you said matt and 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 also this ties into davindra's point right like so one of the things that we got more clarity on after the our post-show recap from apple was shareplay and how it would work with mm-hmm. these third-party streaming apps so as a recap shareplay is that feature that's kind of like house party where you can watch a video or a tv show on facetime with your friend and have that sync up uh at the same time so you can both watch it together uh so it currently works with things like Obviously, Apple TV, but also HBO Max is one of the big names. TikTok, <laughs> if you love watching TikTok, that's together actually with pretty your great. I spend. I mean, I think that's have, a good idea. I know. I know. Sherlyn is like anti TikTok at this point, but uh, we we have dedicated TikTok breaks at this point in my house because it's uh, like one way for me to calm my daughter Sophia down. Is like we have. I have a lot of like the animal streams on TikTok, and it's like a mm-hmm. quick hit of like cute content. That's it, and then you're mm-hmm. in and you're out. It, it's funny because I think so, tic- oh, sorry, mm-hmm. carry on share. We can, I can come back. No, no, no go ahead. The- I was just going to explain what we learned. And then, yeah. So anyway, what we learned <laughs> in this post show recap, uh, after the post show recap in a briefing with Apple is that uh, people were wondering, do both parties need to have subscriptions right. to some of these services right. for it to work? And so for third-party apps like HBO Max, for example, Apple is saying it's up to the creator of that app. Mm. So it's up to HBO Max to be like, 
oh, we need both of you to whatever. They're for never Apple gonna TV, allow yeah. Right, exactly. For Apple TV, though, uh, Apple TV Plus, anyway, uh, Apple has said that, yes, both parties need to have a subscription or a trial to access the content together. Okay, so, yeah, Apple and, is setting the baseline there. Nobody's going to be more sorry, open yeah. than that. Yeah. Right. Oh, and on the page where, like, say your friend's like, let's watch this Apple TV show together. I have a subscription, do you? And you don't, right? On your FaceTime call, there will be an so-called like an easy way to sign up. Uh, so obviously, this is kind of like for you to. It's a way to pull more people in as well. Yeah. Um. Gotta love it. So Gotta love that it. that felt interesting. Apple throws you a life raft, but here, please pay. Uh, please pay five dollars. You know, so you can hang out with your friends. Uh, uh, gra- not, yeah. Right. Grappling hook back to the TikTok. Yep. Thing. Yep. Yep. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we're really, we're yes, slowly we're reeling saying. it in. We're back, slowly back reeling into the TikTok thing. So. <laughs> What I think is interesting is it's things like TikTok, which I think work best in these kind of share right. yes. few right. ways. What's missing exactly. is there's no YouTube and there's probably not going to be any kind of Facebook <laughs> yes. video stuff as well, right? Which <laughs> is understandable. It's mm. stun- understandable yeah. why we don't have it. But it's I'm less interested in watching. I think Disney was included is one of the, the right. ones mentioned at the start, right? Hulu. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I, I don't going to, you know, I'm not going to watch a whole season of Loki with someone. Um, Why not, Matt? I thought we wanted... Let's watch it together, Matt. Sherlyn is like, yeah, deleting (laughs) the email she's forming for the Loki fan club. The the Loki share view, yeah. Um, So uh, it'd be interesting to see whether they can get YouTube in on it and... uh, you know, yeah. other things it would like ho- that. It would and be those don't Google. require subscriptions. Yeah. Yes, exactly. exactly. Well, they, they are made better with subscriptions. I've talked about this before. YouTube Premium is fantastic. Uh, it is worth that money to just Re- get rid reiterate. of ads. I'll just, but yeah. have you, yeah. now, is this a hack or not? So if I stream mm-hmm. from YouTube to my Chromecast <laughs> or to my home hubs, uh-huh. I get maybe a fraction of the ads. I mean, one in 10. Oh. Does anyone else experience that, or is that a UK I've, I thing? Don't, I, don't I still do get ads, yeah, but maybe less. You might be right. I get I next to I don't nothing. See, like, watch it elsewhere. I can watch like mm-hmm. whole seasons of YouTube stuff and could not be, see an ad. Could be where you are too. Yeah, it could, could be, be like a UK, the UK thing. Versus, so uh, Brits, yeah. try it because mm-hmm. I'm I'm seriously talking about next to no ads. Yeah, compared to like a phone viewing experience, like next to nothing. What else do you get when you subscribe to YouTube? Uh, well, you get you, you did get uh, Google Music access, which is now YouTube Music. But really, IGM, yeah. the reason I do it is, oh, you get uh, oh yeah, and you get picture. to download um, YouTube videos, which is also super useful. I think you always got that. It depends. Picture in picture Android. within the app, but you don't yeah. get picture in picture on iOS, which is one of my favorite features that's on iOS. When you have uh, a full screen video. Android. I thought yeah. you did with a premium. No. I don't, I wish, because I, I try it all the time. But anyway, YouTube Premium is good. Um, but also, Google has always been really slow about bringing YouTube stuff over to the Apple platform. Like, they, the Apple TV 4K YouTube app wasn't 4K until, like, last year, I think, mm. which is ridiculous so like google has this thing but i'm sure they're gonna they're gonna come up with something there yeah the way the way apple put it really quickly about these uh, third part parties that are not on SharePlay just yet it's mm-hmm. that uh they're working with them and they just need to make their apps compatible that's it it's not really like it doesn't sound like a partnership right. thing because google and apple have been partnering up a lot lately on things like google and apple tv so we'll mm-hmm. see and th- there's like a lot of great other just like little I don't know what you call it, like ease of use changes, right? Like they, uh, mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. what is it? Like the share with you feature, mm-hmm, which yep. collects your links and puts them mm-hmm. in one spot. Like the links people send you, like this, all the annoying stuff you get all day from your friends mm-hmm. that you never pay attention yeah. to. Um, it goes in one spot in the Apple News app. 
so now cool. notifications are going to be smarter. Like you'll actually, I think Apple realized, oh my God, we, we created a monster here. Uh, a monster yeah, of a platform yeah. that is just dominating people's lives with pings and updates and things that they don't mm-hmm. really need. So what if you could treat notifications, you know, just like bundle them all together, deliver them at specific points of the day for things that aren't mm-hmm. like immediately important. I think that's super smart because I would love to get my notifications closer to lunch if they are not like life or death things, right? Yep. I, I This is possibly one of my favorite things mm-hmm. because I suffer from notification fatigue on Android <laughs> at this point. And it's just a lot of apps just access you are allowed to send you notifications for no reason, even after you block them. Right. Yeah. So uh, this thing, according to Apple, will allow you to set a schedule as to when to get these less important app notifications. Mm-hmm. So it's judging that on its own by your frequency of use of the app or, you know, how important it might be. So a messaging app might come through more often than, say, a magazine app or a something like a Headspace um, or, you know, Tinder or whatever dating app is you use doesn't have to come through all the time, just at (laughs) night when you're ready to look at them or something. So notification summary is the name of this feature. uh, And I I personally think I'm very hyped for it. I Mm -hmm. really would love for this on Android. Yeah, I think think notifications and the privacy stuff, those are the two major good things. And they're kind of, (laughs) like they've said, like they created a monster. And these are the two things which I kind of dislike Mm-hmm. about using my phones my phone's plural mm-hmm. like these are the two things i want help with reducing yeah it's an addictive thing it's a thing i don't want to do it's a thing i want to improve it's it's a gross part of my job it's these are the kind mm-hmm. you know these are issues i want to see tackled and this is apple kind of tackling them i'm i'm Absolutely. kind of waiting to see exactly how good the algorithms and mm-hmm. you know yeah. the ai is going to be as, as to kind of truly deciding what i want to see what i don't want to see but I think iOS 14 gave us a good hint that some of that kind of behavioral algorithm stuff is is quite on point. Um, mm-hmm. When I was testing iOS 14 last year, like it all seems like it knew what it was doing after a few weeks. So yeah, yeah, I've really, I've really well. dug that stuff in iOS 14. But just want to say, like, I think what's happening here is we've spent the last decade, right? The tech industry has spent the last decade trying to get us to use their stuff. And trying to make everything addictive and trying to make, you know, make us make our lives dependent on these services and these apps and everything. I think Apple is among the rare companies that's just like saying, hey, what if what if we give people a breather? You know, what if we give them features and ways to kind of slow down this math? I don't think Google is done much with that. Microsoft maybe. Nintendo always has this weird thing where they're like, please take a break. You know, with yeah. the well, starting with the Wii. You know, please stop playing Google's- for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Google's whole thing is its whole digital well-being, right? right? right. And digital well-being can be as obtrusive as you want it to be and as, you know, out of the way as you want it to be. So it it really is down to the user at that point Mm -hmm. um, to kind of decide. Like, I always set my timeout thing, right? I set my timers for my apps and then I'm just like, well, I guess I can spend seven hours on Instagram now and I don't care, you know, like it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. the other thing that Apple appears to be doing with iOS 15 that I was interested by were these focus modes. I'm not sure if these are related to that privacy thing you were talking about, Matt, but um, focus modes are basically these new, in addition to do not disturb, uh, some new profiles as to how limited your notifications are and what types of apps can get through to your phone's uh, screen or whatever. You're allowed to set 
set up things like a work profile, personal profile, and a sleep profile for your focus modes. So say from nine to five, you turn on the work profile of your focus mode. So like uh, apps, only apps like Slack or Gmail or email, whatever it is you set can send notifications throughout the day, but personal things like WhatsApp or again, Tinder or whatever it is you shouldn't be looking at during work. Um, can be muted for a little bit. And then not only that, your home screen also change, can change uh, based on what profile you've activated. So like you have to customize these. You have to set custom screens mm-hmm. and you can, you know, put up your calendar as a widget and then, you know, things you want to easily access while you're on your phone during you know, work hours can be there with for easy access. And then you can still access the rest of your phone's apps by going to the app drawer or going to the Today page. My thought on this is that like when I was looking at, or I was thinking about the thought process mm-hmm. that goes into creating a feature like this, it seems clear to me that like Apple people like really were using iOS and were like, we, we need a different way to engage with our phone. Like it seems uh-huh. driven from a need themselves. Good, good. And yeah. it's, which is great, right? This is the way features to come like good features happen. And I, while I don't like the idea of one machine for both work and personal life, like I love, but I, that, that's the whole reason I have two devices, right? Because I wanted to turn off the work phone once I'm done with the work day. Mm-hmm. Um, this does help people who only have one, you know, yeah. mobile device or I, one I only use one mobile turn device. Turn off work. Yeah, I, I also right. only use one work device because I don't want to juggle either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I deleted Slack from my personal phone, and I like de- deleted my work. Oh, this explains email a lot. Actually, access from things. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah. That's why people can't find me off work hours anymore, or even on work hours half the time. This <laughs> is true. Know, that's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> Should I just disappear was... all of a sudden? But yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was my thing about focus mode i feel like a it shows how apple seems to be or people at apple seem to be thinking about features and b like you know i think grander scheme there i, I like this feature a lot but i don't mm-hmm. know if it ties into that privacy thing you were talking about matt because i i was intrigued when you said privacy mm. uh, so the privacy thing was another one like you said share one of these themes that kind of came in at ios 15 and then just kind of bounced mm. along across the whole presentation i'm trying to think of what best represented it I think there was a lot with Safari. Um, oh, and email. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The mails. I mean, app, there, so. there's the private relay feature, which is going to be yeah. a part of the iCloud Plus subscription. Which, which is, is just your iCloud mm. subscription with a new name yeah. and some few features. So the price isn't going to change. Name. New name. Yeah. But private relay sounds cool because it's like, a, I think it's technically a double hop VPN. So it's like. All the Google names or, sound really yeah. cool, even though it's very, All very boring. Names. So Apple and nobody else can see your web traffic, basically. Yeah. And it's more private than a normal VPN service, which could technically keep records of where you're going. So that's cool. Yeah, Dig so it. that's cool. And then the, on the Mails app, the idea is um, it'll kind of obfuscate pixel tracking. So any kind of mm-hmm. data of newsletters or like retail stores that have your email address when they send you an email about their sale you know uh there's a lot of metrics that an email can kind of reveal to you when you open it it can tell you when you opened it if you read it if you just auto binned it where are you when you clicked on it where exactly did you click on it and this is funny because i run the engadget (laughs) <laughs> daily emails so i know this You're kind like, of stuff you already. need that data <laughs> i am the you know i am the the evil boss of you know pixel tracking and gadget even though we, i don't you know um to my knowledge we don't really use any pixel tracking but the, we do use metrics mm-hmm. to figure out you know where where people are reading the the newsletter so it's it's a funny weird double-edged sword for me in that i have a vested interest in a way but i'm also totally 
I want everyone to kind of have the freedom and the privacy that they want. And this is just another dial for you to control on that. And I'm more than happy mm. for that to be a thing. Um, but to have that included in a Mails app, I find that's quite interesting, just at mm-hmm. the very base level. Um, with the iCloud Plus subscription as well on an email front, you'll also have unlimited kind of auto-generated, uh, you know, at at iCloud, I think, uh, email addresses. So you mm-hmm. can just kind of register nice. your interest for... Right. Yeezy at Gap for as long as that interest lasts, and then kill the email address. And they Did can. Did you never... just say Yeezy at Gap? Have you not heard about sure. this? Sure. Ah, uh, I wonder if I can find a link. Oh, the Yeezy has a line at Gap. Yeah, anyway. it's a giant blue. Off. It's a really god awful, ugly blue puffer jacket. Oh that's boy, kind that, of, uh, that makes uh, sense. Deconstructed. Um, but that's the first item of many. There's okay. there's probably going to be some good items. But anyway, I digress. Okay. Lots of cool yeah. features. Yes, yes. I'm trying to <laughs> think of, cool of the features. other. I'm trying to think of the other privacy stuff that I found. Really let me let me run down some of the other features we'll find in iOS, and you can bring those up later. But there's live text, which some sounds, of these are finally, by the way, some of these are big finally. finally for these. Live text yeah. is basically Apple's Google Lens alternative, which can translate things in real time, and I think also like capture. Can it can also search based on images too, or something? But it's mainly the translation. I think that's going to be really hot. It's uh, by the <laughs> way, Google Lens just already does most of yeah, what yeah. I live mentioned, text yeah. does. Uh, yeah, but uh, the other thing that sounded like finally is there are some features that Apple Maps also seem to learn from Google Maps, sure. which is uh, the AR directions feature we <laughs> talked about. Um, but there is one um, update or improvement to Apple Maps that Google doesn't have yet, which is the detailed level of drawings that yeah. they've gone on there. These are not photorealistic actual photos, right? These are just like renderings based on, according to Apple, They've driven down these cities and like actually made note of where lane markings are, mm-hmm. of where you know and highway stops overpasses and, and things like that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, lots of work. So that's why it's in limited. It's limited rollout right now, right? Some cities only. In fact, I think it's only in San Francisco. Yeah, so far. I'm sure but it's the, mainly San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the art looks really mm-hmm. nice. I gotta say because like even if you're say looking at the map at night, there's these things that are called like moonlit glow or whatever for landmarks. It matches the um, lighting for the time of day, which is just kind of oh, cool. Yeah. You're just like flexing your so 3D processing gorgeous. for no yeah. reason really, but they're kind of doing no, it. Yeah. yeah. It makes it look nice. like That's... SimCity a bit. I was going to say, it looks, like an, yeah. it looks like an Apple Arcade g- game that we haven't quite got yet, doesn't it? Oh, mm. I would love if they like hit bonus features in this where you can like randomly <laughs> play a game because Google Maps does that sort of stuff from time to time. You have random Easter eggs in the in the Maps app. Um, but no, this is, I think, a, a nice update to Apple Maps, even if it's not exactly mm-hmm. the same as Google Maps, which, by the way, uh, you can also now favorite mm-hmm. certain transit routes in Apple Maps, which you could also already do. In Google Maps. And then one gotcha. more finally feature on iOS 15. Weather app <laughs> updates. A redesign. <laughs> you finally get the dark sky look. It's, you get that cool. whole... Yeah. Just just download dark sky. So People, long. Better. Uh, so one long. question. One thing related to maps, by the way. Chris Angelo Perez in our chat uh, says that Apple Maps is horrible in the Philippines. Is it better in Southeast Asia? Sholin, based on your experience? Uh, I don't use Apple Maps. So Have you, I Oh, yeah. You haven't Google. even opened it over there huh yeah i don't really yeah every time i'm in even if i'm on an iphone i use google maps uh yeah, same, but same. no same i don't think chris asked whether it's better in south asia chris just said apple maps doesn't cut it here in the philippines but yeah like well no, the question it, was specifically is it better uh, listen uh, what we know is based on this new oh yeah, yeah the yeah. new apple Maps stuff it's what the u.s uk canada and ireland so 
you know. Oh, and according to Jonathan Anderson, Spain and Portugal uh, in our chat, yeah. Apple Maps in Hawaii was amazing. I'm which sure, is great. They, they uh, don't places. have that many roads there, though, right? <laughs> so it's not going to take much to kind of nail the, I'm the sure road layout of. Oahu. It was a whole team of Apple engineers that was just like, guys, we really need we detailed really maps need, of Hawaii. Yeah. We just need to go there. To spend months in Hawaii <laughs> to drive over every road. Let's expense a, a chopper. We need to make more <laughs> sketches of these beautiful volcanoes right now. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait Absolutely. to see the volcanoes. One other one other thing worth mentioning, though, and this is why I think like iOS 15 just sounds so cool. I just really want to get yes. my hands on it soon. But they announced some Apple Wallet uh, upgrades. So more types of like uh house keys potentially like or digital keys for houses uh more things for hotels uh and cars we'll probably see more of that but it's going to get support for licenses and official government Driver's IDs. Yeah, yeah which i think are that's kind of cool there are certainly dangers about having everything on one device and i wouldn't like give up on taking my wallet with me everywhere but certainly if my wallet gets stolen uh, or something where I lose my keys, uh, I would love having a mobile backup. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And let's clarify this. The Apple also said this is your driver's license yep. or your ID information is encrypted and stored on the secure element on your phone. Yep. So Just it's like not your as credit if, card like, stuff. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's not like someone can like therefore easily hack. I'm sure people can hack and get a copy of your driver's license. For sure. If they really, really, really tried. <laughs> I'm not. Um, I'm less worried about hacking on my phone, which has secure encryption, rather than the big yes. wallet that is hanging out in your back pocket oh, and anybody Devendra can just like grab it. big wallet full of cash because <laughs> he's so rich. And cards. And, and cards. cards. It's mainly Credit all cards. cards. I'm rich yeah. in I... convenience store cards. <laughs> I have... A Walgreens card. I have a Stop and Shop card. I was about I got to it say, all, of all the people on the Engadget team, you're probably the person I expect to still have a Blockbuster card somewhere in there. I do have a Criterion Channel card, which they gave oh, to like some cute. of the some you of the fancy. Are we, are we allowed? Are we allowed to swear on this? We're probably not. Are we? Yeah, sure. Yes. Oh, that's the wankiest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> it's a. How it does nothing. It's just slur? a metal slab that says Criterion uh, Channel founding member. It's great. Love it. Okay. I, I will yeah. say that with the with the way digital wallets have evolved over the last few years, I have found, especially during the pandemic, yes. that I don't even take my yes. I don't even have a wallet anymore. Exactly. I just take my phone out and I'm good. The only thing that I've had to bring has been an ID, and that's immigrant life for you because immigrant I'm just life, scared. Baby. <laughs> yeah, at any time that I'll be stopped and asked for my ID, mm -hmm. and then they'll drag me kicking and screaming to, the to an airport if I don't. <laughs> if I don't have a car, they'll drag me. I mean, I listen, won't even get a chance to go America back to my is not beyond doing things like that for certain certain ethnic minorities, so it's a, not great. Yeah. A question from the the UK side is like because of um, well, especially I think due to COVID nineteen, like in the UK, the kind of the amount you're able to pay for with contactless has gone up mm. several times over. Is nice, that true in the nice. U.S. as well? Slowly, slowly. Yeah, I, I have noticed like things I, like what, you mean like a limit? Yeah, no yeah. things to no things to pay for too, right? No, no. So like, so um, I think Matt was asking about limits. Limit, right? Yeah, yeah. So it used to be I think there thirty pounds, and now it's I think sixty. It might be. Even we, we've now. never had that. Yeah. What what like weird dystopian world are you <laughs> living in? Well, if someone kind of because you could just. I guess it's like a security measure more than anything. But it, so, so what? Weird. With contactless, you you can pay like a hundred and fifty dollar dinner bill. You could pay with contactless. Yeah, you can pay yeah, pretty yeah. much any. Yeah, that's friend. interesting. You know, though. you know me and my shopping sprees, Matt. Come we know on. Uh, that is interesting <laughs> because it's like I I guess that sort of exists on credit cards, like above like five hundred dollars or something. But it is so much easier for somebody to yank a credit card and go go on a swiping spree. You know. 
weird that yeah, you it must be a banking lists. rule mm. yeah intriguing but anyway it's got a lot more lo- looser and lot. easier to use so yeah good. let's let's it's move on to thing. some quick other things about apple mac os monterey they announced i wrote up that news um doesn't seem like a huge upgrade it yeah. seems like a very small upgrade actually uh compared to big sur last year but they did announce this thing called universal control i have a terrible cool. mm-hmm. can i do a terrible yeah, joke yeah. it do doesn't it. a monterey too much oh, yes good. where's that criterion card wow. now dev wow oh my yes. god anyway universal control universal control the idea is that you could use a single keyboard and mouse to control multiple Mac and iOS devices. So that's kind of cool if you've got an iPad or something nearby. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I have another I have go, another go, go, go. joke. Do it. Oh, I'm just trying to get through the it, news this, here. This Mac you guys OS keep distracting me. Like this, potholes on the road. This Mac OS update is, more, is so bad. It's more like a Matt OS update. <laughs> just... I, Nothing. It doesn't make sense. Uh, doesn't I know. Make just no, be Matt, Matt, Matt Please OS. no improv Matt for OS. this team. Yeah, yeah. let's <laughs> not let's not do that. We're not the improv people. We're Sorry, Devinger, go on. Anyway, universal control seems cool for the Mac nerds out there, and for people who have desktops like a Mac desktop and a laptop, or also an iPad sitting around. There in like 2005, there were third party like little um, applications mm. that allowed me to do this across a PC. And yeah, a Mac. Yeah. And when I, I, I used to like have a big work desk in my IT job, I just had all these systems set up like three or four computers and just like seamlessly like move across. It was hell to set up, but it was cool and it, when it worked. So it's really cool to see like this idea coming back now because, it, hey, it's nice. And a lot of people have iPads and MacBooks, you know. It's very much a high-end user tool, though. Right? Like mm-hmm. the idea of having, you know, a brand new Mac next, a brand new iMac next to a brand new MacBook Pro next to a brand new iPad oh, Pro. definitely. Seamlessly definitely. switching between the three of them is such a kind of specifically mm-hmm. specific use case for very well-to-do people or people, conversely, mm-hmm. for people that are always using their Macs in their jobs for presentations and yeah. graphical things and such. But yeah, I think that's quite but a I, I percentage. It is the coolest the feature, idea, though. It's really cool. But the idea is like, yeah, anybody using macOS, if you're using a Mac desktop now, you probably have an iPad. You know, I think that's like the bet they're making here. So it's like, it's also like, hey, we can just, you set it up on the side, you put on Twitter or whatever on it and like have that be your social feed that's refreshing, you know, as you're doing other work. I think that's cool. Uh, let's move on quickly to WatchOS 8. Anything, anything good here, Sherlyn? So, really big. Yeah, a lot of them, again, like macOS, were a little bit small. I mm-hmm. think some of the changes were walking, steadiness. It'll do a detection of your gait and kind of tell you if you're more likely to fall. This works in tandem with fall detection. Uh, there's a new mindfulness uh, app that brings in the already existing breathe tool and adds a new reflect uh <laughs> prompt where it's basically trying to it's it's quite silly it's just you it's like when you start a reflect session you sit down and it'll ask you it's it's sort of an intro to meditation so it starts asking you what's one thing you're grateful for and why are you grateful for it and i'm just like i am grateful that i can fart because it expels air from my body Mm. oh yeah i love i love farting that's uh definitely the things you need to be mindful of in your life (laughs) The things that are important of reducing <laughs> around, you know, yeah. like reducing bloat. Oh, yeah. um, this oh, is yeah. a weird feature too, because it's almost like is your watch just telling you, "Hey, reflect on your life." Um, you know, <laughs> what really matters to you? Does your life have any meaning? 
says the Apple Watch. Like, what are you doing? With this your is life? what me, me and Cher, me and Cher shared the same feeling on this when we were talking about it on the live mm-hmm. stream. In that, when our what when our Apple Watch tells us to breathe or you should be standing up right now, <laughs> we're just like, oh yeah, go to hell, like just you know, getting raging at our own wrists because, <laughs> yep. You don't tell don't me what tell to me do. What to yep. do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm not sure if this will help. Oh, yeah. man. I, I, I think the, I know your personalities too well. I will say, so two more really quick things that Apple introduced uh-huh. on WatchOS 8 is this portrait watch face feature where it just uses a little bit of AI to make a face stand out against the background of yeah, your, yeah. you know, wallpaper. It looks really nice. Looks thing is, you can't use complications on this watch face, by the way, so... Just be aware of that. Uh, respiratory rate tracking and sleep tracking now, which is a nice addition. But I sooner, I really am waiting for Apple to add cardio tracking, uh, as in like make use of your cardio info that it's already doing. It's already doing hard tracking in your sleep. Use that to detect your sleep zones, like REM sleep, uh, deep sleep, light sleep, right? But uh, the one last thing I wanted to shout out about watchOS 8 uh, that was actually announced in May uh, around Global Accessibility Awareness Day is Assistive Touch. I think Assistive Touch is for one-handed use of the Apple Watch. And basically, it's using the sensors on the watch to detect things like your tendons and your things on your wrist. And when you clench your wrist or you move your fingers in a certain way, the, the nerves and the, the muscles of your, you know, your wrists under your skin obviously move in different ways and apple's figured out some way to use that and or understand that and know when you're clenching and you're pointing so you can do things like double clench to uh bring up a menu and then move your finger to swipe through uh options on that menu and then clench once to confirm so if you have physical motor capabilities if you don't have or if you're just struggling with like several bags of groceries right and you just don't have the ability to use your other hand to touch the apple watch screen this is a really nice feature Mm -hmm. and i've seen it in some other third party, um, I think at CES we saw, I forget the name offhand, but there was a ban for the Apple Watch that would enable features like this. Yeah. Um, but now it's built into watchOS 8. And it, that's really nice. And I love that Apple continues to add features like that. I thought I, when I was watching the video, I was like, wait, this looks so cool. I hope it works well. So, yeah, because they haven't added new hardware. Yeah. They're This is all based on like algorithmically what they can tell from their current sensors yeah exactly which makes it which makes it all the better that's the thing if it's if it's built into the base device Mm -hmm. then you can't we'll have to see how effective it is too because like i know when i'm running with the apple watch i have to be very deliberate about moving my arms so that like it knows i'm running because if i'm on the treadmill and i'm grabbing onto the heart rate sensors on the bar Uh um it won't register me as running so my my account is so much better and sh- surely like this, hold- your Apple Watch is monitoring your heart rate. So why are you I like, doubling well, down? But I like seeing it on the, the on treadmill the screen. So okay. the treadmill screen needs both hands. But anyway, you only do that occasionally. What do you? What do you? What's going on over there? Uh, I, it's it's mostly because I want to keep looking at my heart rate. Just like, wanna, oh, it's going up by am one I, BPM. Am I alive? Am I alive? Uh, yeah, exactly. Let's wrap up Apple here. But one thing yeah. we didn't get is any bit of hardware news. And I know a lot of people were Mm -hmm. kind of waiting for that for maybe new MacBook Pros or maybe hearing something about the iMac Pro, maybe that new M1X processor that's being rumored because it seems like this would be a good time to alert developers that faster hardware is coming. Do you guys feel disappointed? (laughs) I didn't think there was going to be new hardware at all. It's WWDC. It's it's not really the place for it. I get it just because, wasn't it last year we got uh, Silicon? So... It was a big I, I, deal last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that was always 
just the kind of reveal, wasn't it? I think it was just the reveal of the existence of Silicon last yeah, year. Yeah, it, it was just saying that we're moving. It was announcing the transition. It was yeah, announcing yeah. a transition over two years to Mac Apple Silicon. And it wasn't really a hardware that was available to consumers. Our dub dub has never been about hardware like that. Mm-hmm. But I guess because there were a lot of rumors swirling right around that time, people sort of got hyped for it. And we're disappointed ultimately. So. I think well, whenever yeah. I think whenever there's an Apple event, you want to kind of be using or be involved with the kind of innovations and the new stuff you're seeing, which you do get eventually in you know the next generation of iOS. And there's always like developer previews and the beta to kind of test this stuff out earlier than when it eventually makes it to everyone. But yeah, I, I get the sentiment, but WWDC <laughs> is just never going to be the place yeah. to see. Your, Wait you know, your three months, people. Wait for September. Yeah. And not even phones, but like wait till the fall. That's when we're going to see mm-hmm. certainly new phones as always, All but new hardware. computers. That is when things start arriving, you know. So sit tight, folks. We will get to it. Thanks, Matt and Sherlin. Let's move on to the next big news event for this week. And certainly one of the biggest ones of the year is E3. That's kicking off in the middle of this week. Uh, Matt, Jessica Condit, uh, and I'll be doing some stuff too. We're all going to be covering it. The whole team's going to be covering E3. Matt, what are you expecting this year? Because this is a virtual E3. Last year was kind of a disaster in terms of like <laughs> what was it going on with this event. So w- what do we expect now? What can we expect? I mean, I think it might be quite an exciting year for new games. Mm. Um, I get a bit kind of frazzled by so many games being either remastered or sequels of existing properties. Um, so I would love to see some new IPs, um, some new exclusives. Now we have two, you know, two new next gen, current gen consoles, one from Xbox, one from PlayStation. I think now's the time for them to be kind of stepping out and proving why you need to need to own one rather than the other. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for console gaming, let alone Nintendo, because Nintendo, you know, they play by their own rule book. Um, there's a lot of rumors that we might actually finally see a next gen Switch console, which I think we're due. Um, yeah, so I, to be honest, there's not much I know kind of off the books and off the record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually more excited for this one than I have been for a few years. I mean, it's different. It is fully virtual. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be you know, streaming the press the press shows, as usual, will be doing some live streams on Saturday, Sunday, and tonight. into next week, too. Tonight. One, well, today, this afternoon for you guys. Today at 1.40 oh p.m. God. Eastern. Yeah, I'll be you're, today. You're going to be. It's Summer Gaming Fest, yeah. So oh, I'll, I'll be streaming that one with Jessica Condit, and I'm going to have to take a really big Is that still this. a part of E3? Isn't that a completely separate thing? How's, the, how's that working I think out? it's separate. Didn't, didn't they have their big old divorce two years ago? They hate right? each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff Keighley can't hear hear anything about that <laughs> over the sounds of, you know, all that money dropping from the ceiling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that could be the place we, I mean, uh, co- my co-worker Aaron Saporis suggests that might be where we hear about the next gen Switch. And, you know, he, it could be he's often like if, quite if Nintendo smart. wants to like uh, just <laughs> break. Yeah. If Nintendo wants to break the Internet and right? steal all this spotlight from people. Yeah, it would be oh, yeah. a good time to do that. And then the, um, and then whatever mm-hmm. they do it there, because Nintendo's like live event is until Tuesday. So they have all that time to just get everyone completely and utterly amped that's actually true because then they can start showing off like trailers and stuff yeah mm, mm. Mm, just mm. rule the whole week so three weekend yeah. uh that's interesting we are seeing like some bits of things coming out microsoft yeah. did this weird thing this morning where they just uh i did a pre-recorded meeting 
with Phil Spencer um, and, and a bunch of folks where they confirmed, and you can find this on Gadget, um, they confirmed that they're making Xbox game streaming sticks that you'll be able to plug into monitors and TVs to get some of that xCloud functionality. So that's like an, a thing that's coming eventually. They, they're not showing renders or anything right now. They confirmed they're working with TV manufacturers to get Game Pass on smart TVs too, which is also going to include like cloud streaming and things like that. So basically the things we've been thinking about and talking about for a while, the potential of xCloud to kind of put this console on everything, uh, which is good news for you, Sherlyn. Uh, I think... Could be a big deal. Like, yeah, let's this look is at like Trillin as an example. Yeah, yeah, this is Xbox Chromecast. This is this could be really yeah. smart Woo. and really compelling. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Because right now, I know a lot of people are waiting. Like, uh, first of all, you can't even find the next gen console to buy. But also, the investment of th- you know three to five hundred dollars is a lot if you don't know if you're actually going to be playing these games. Whereas a cheap, like maybe fifty dollar ish, maybe maybe a little more, like. If it was $100 with the controller, because you have to sell this thing with the controller, maybe, maybe $100 with a controller, 50 bucks without a controller, that's a good deal. That's an easy way to jump in, play these games anywhere, take it with you, assuming you have good internet connection. Game Pass alone has a large library of games. I'm uh, I'm really down with this. And they're also confirming that uh, all Game Pass subscribers in the next few weeks will have access to browser-based cloud gaming. So that includes Chrome, Edge, and Safari. This is also a way uh, everybody on iOS will be able to get access to. So you could do this, Sherlin. So basically, xCloud Ooh. everywhere, baby. Mm. You guys excited? Uh, quickly, because <laughs> I'm like already in now. I'm like, oh, maybe now. Yeah, Why now. This thing. Um, uh, uh, what games are on here that I should think about? There's, I mean, listen, Game Pass has <laughs> Game Pass has a ton of games. A very, very, yes. very. So uh, Google that. I'm sure you will find something. Um, but okay. it does require the was it the Game Pass Ultimate subscription, which is 15 bucks a month. Okay. So I think that is the the That's big fine. jump here. Yeah. But there's other gaming news, right? Like it's not just E3. It's <laughs> not just Xbox's streaming stick. It's also big games game? like Ratchet isn't, and Clank Rift isn't, Apart. Isn't there a game? Isn't, isn't there going to be a there game? Is a game. <laughs> there is a game. We do we do talk about these well, things. The, I've been the, playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, yes. the latest game in the series. Oh. I've clocked in, I think, about like 15 hours into this thing so far. I love it. The reviews are out right now, and I'm working on a piece. Uh, I'm also going to be talking with some folks from Insomniac, so I'm kind of waiting on that bit. But, uh, hey, the cliche when we talk about games and certainly like very uh, graphically intensive games, you know, impressive games. Does it feel like you're playing a Pixar movie? And I do feel like finally we're kind of there because the sheer quality of the graphics here on the PlayStation five looks incredible with this game. Um, you the know, kind of the, the, an- the attention <laughs> on the animation. And so much like you, like on the, on our YouTube live stream here, we're kind of watching a bit of it and it's just watching the enemies bounce around and like the way that the kind of particle physics of it all and like mm-hmm. how the scraps of metal behave um yeah it's it looks so, i've only played a few hours so i'm not kind of in as deep as dev but it's such a pretty looking game let alone the mm-hmm. kind of technical expertise it takes for them to kind of you know uh open up rifts between two worlds so you have two concurrent worlds in a video game that you can switch between um i don't know we've seen that done before on some other games but Mm -hmm. not as kind of polished and kind of seamless 
the main thing is like there's practically no load time from this game yeah, too. Like yeah. from the minute I hit go on the PlayStation Five, I think in under ten seconds I'm in there, like loaded up the games there, the full world and everything. So I think that's impressive. Um, the attention to detail for the facial animation is what really gets mm-hmm. me too, because this is normally something that you have to wait for a pre-rendered Pixar movie, you know, to get characters with a lot of animation and personality. Now we could just do it in real time and it looks incredible. Um, I just, I reviewed the last, the Studio Ghibli, um, was it their CG movie? Is it I oh, Am yeah. the Witch? The Witch. The itch. Which is horrible. I hate it. I hate the way that movie looks. I do remember. Because the so. characters, it's a, I, I called it a, uh, what, what was it? Like, um, yeah, I said it was like a disaster basically. But in that movie, people's faces don't move. And the thing about a Ghibli movie is like, they're very expressive characters. Usually, usually you could tell a lot from the animation. Uh, here in this game, you can certainly do that. So just want to shout it out. If you are lucky enough to have a PlayStation 5, it's definitely a must-have game. Uh, the only thing is I kind of wish they had modernized the gameplay a bit because it's still like, you know, you're running around using lots of fun weapons and things and, you know, beating up the enemies. I mean, they haven't I kind of really, like that. Yeah. I kind of like, like the, comf- the comfort of it. I, it's also nice to have a flagship game like this that's not Nintendo, mm-hmm. that's family-friendly, but also, you know, appealing enough to miserable grown-up adults like ourselves miserable that's what i quite adults. yeah Absolutely. that's what i quite like about it. it's very um yeah it's it's a kid's game with just mm-hmm. so much effort put into it that you know it's hard to refuse um at least so far exactly exactly like and there i won't spoil too much but there are things you get to like move around more quickly that i think really opens up this world there are maps that are really large because this isn't an open world game but there are maps where you will need help to get across really easily so the game like keeps adding new gameplay elements i really like and uh yeah it just looks good so yeah ratchet and clank rift apart it's pretty pretty good matt have you been yeah. Uh, just, just to kind of connect this back to E3, the funny thing is, of course, like Sony's, you know, releasing this game this week during E3, and they don't have an official <laughs> E3 presence. Yeah. So this is them just kind of, you know, owning the preamble to E3 with this major game that was teased at the announcement of PlayStation 5 and now has arrived just in time to kind of ruin everyone's Absolutely. day. They, they did this on purpose, for oh, real. Almost definitely. Um, and talking <laughs> about things ruining people's day. Um, mm. Yeah, so I've also been playing Final Fantasy Integrate, Final Fantasy VII oh, Remake boy. Integrate, which comes with the DLC called Intermission because it's just really confusingly named because Square Enix, <laughs> Gunner Square Enix. So unfortunately, just due to a quirk of getting the review code, we didn't get the DLC, the new chapter with a character mm. called Yuffie, 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 I think the American one's better here. Yuffie, Yuffie, Yuffie. yeah. yeah. Um, we didn't get that until when the game kind of appeared Wednesday afternoon. So I've just been playing a few hours of that and it's a lot of fun. Yuffie is like a chippy, you know, a chippy chirpy girl ninja who doesn't take no shit and she just comes she, arrives. She has costumes, yeah. Yeah, and she, she, yeah, she's dressed up in this weird costume which is like a moogle, <laughs> which is like a, a kind of cute cuddly bear with a big red pom-pom on their head. And she is just like, she just smack talks everyone. Like there's a whole kind of subgroup of like secondary characters in Final Fantasy VII, Avalanche, and they're kind of these, you know, they're the people trying to take down the evil corporation. And she, she, she Yuffie comes across one of them looking depressed, worried about the rest of um, her team and if they're being okay. And then Yuffie is like, cheer up let's play let's play this mini game and then she beats her at the mini game and says ah you suck you all suck and then just walks away pretty much (laughs) she just goes around she just doesn't care she hates people in in this city called midgar which is where all the characters are based 
and she just doesn't care. She's like, I'm just going to crush you all. And it's just really funny because he is, she's just like a, <laughs> a young teen ninja mm-hmm. walking around dressed like a teddy bear. And uh, it's so enjoyable so far. How does this, uh, does this work off the save from the last, from like the PS4 version of Final it Fantasy VII com- Remake? Like, how does it work? It's yeah. like a rift apart. It <laughs> exists at completely yeah. different points in time. It, the, the, the kind of chronology of both games overlaps. And in Square Enix says there's two chapters, I think. I don't want to give any spoilers and I haven't okay. even got that okay. far into it. Um, so yeah, you're looking about two chapters of Final Fantasy VII Remake in length and content. And it is quite dense. So I've kind of just really heavily patrolled the first area and i know there's a summon i need to beat that i know there's monsters mm-hmm. that i'm way too weak to defeat just yet you also come across a lot of the kind of characters that were barely well not barely but characters that will probably be reintroduced in further final fantasy 7 remake games which is cool you just see them again they say their wacky lines and i don't know it really helps kind of cement this modern universe not to mention we're getting playstation 5 power with the uh, integrated versions so Higher resolution. Uh, I think ray tracing is there, yeah. depending on your yeah, option. Yeah, I think there's a little bit in there. There's yeah. a performance mode with uh, 60 FPS, which really, like, I think Everything my favorite thing... Everything needs to be 60 FPS, yeah. Yeah, my favorite thing is just how well Final Fantasy VII Remake just reimagined these characters and made them mm-hmm. so fluid. And, you know, how they move is just... It just makes me weep tears of graphical joy. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing, but I've said it now. Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm really Tears. enjoying it so far. <laughs> Tears of graphical joy. Tears of GPUs. I still, I should probably finish FF7 Remake at some point. I think I was towards the end and there was one big boss who just really pissed me off. I was like, I spent <laughs> yeah. half an hour. It was like a big tank, I think, like after you fight one of the like mini sub villains. And man, I just, I had to rage quit. It's funny. That I point. Fe- yeah, I feel like everyone, with a lot of these kind of games, you get one mm-hmm. boss. There's always, and everyone seems to have a different boss like that yeah. that just, it's just up against the wall and you even read you know the wisdom of other people that easily defeat it and you're like no i'm not gonna go uh you know churn my levels for two hours till i'm strong exactly exactly and no i don't want to use that really cheesy technique just to get through this either there should be a way for me to win this battle without breaking the game yeah I, i don't think it's bad i remember like the thing that really got me like there's one fight in like final fantasy tactics uh which i had to suffer through as a kid there's one one freaking fight with Wygraph where if you don't if you haven't spec your build properly the game is done like you, <laughs> you got no way to move forward so anyway anyway thanks for that about ff7 remake integrated i'm looking forward to playing with it let's move on to some other news maybe a quick uh psa about amazon sidewalk do you guys want to talk about this a little anybody want to introduce it yeah I look so Amazon Sidewalk. I think you might have seen the news this week. I was pretty mad about it. Amazon Sidewalk is this new service by the company that will turn ba- that will share your Wi Fi mm-hmm. network with all basically people in your area. Yeah, with uh, other with Amazon devices. devices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's and and they're looking to spread it not just to, to spread it beyond Amazon devices. But for now, it's going to be Echo and Ring products that are going to automatically be used as bridges to extend the range of your uh, Wi-Fi network. And uh, according to Amazon, it's protected with multiple layers of encryption. But like the fact that it's an automatically opt-in feature is what pisses me off the most about mm-hmm. this. Because I... So it's launching or launched already, if I'm not wrong, this week. And yes, you can opt out of Sidewalk 
But it's pretty easy. It's just a couple steps in your Amazon app. Well, I've been looking for the option in my Alexa app, and I still haven't found the option. Do you do you have an Echo device? I have an Echo, but thankfully, Mm -hmm. it looks like a second gen, and uh, so so this is happening to Echo's third gen and newer. So So if you don't don't have have a compatible device, yeah, you probably won't see the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So mine's uh mine's probably not going to be in uh sidewalk, which is nice and mm-hmm. I think that's all on the Amazon devices that I have that are Echo or Ring. Mm-hmm. But for anyone like for example for me if my Echo was a third gen, I'd be pissed. But just go opt out. Why? I just want, want I just yeah. want to know why. So why do you want to opt out? Why do you not want this? Right. I don't want to be sharing my Wi-Fi network with people because it Again, despite yeah. Amazon saying there's multiple layers of encryption, it presents another like Even, and, vulnerability, yeah. potential vulnerability for someone to exploit if they need it. Even to. if it's a sliver of bandwidth, I'm also thinking like, who gives you the right to do this? Yeah. It's like, my, hey, for my, I'm yeah, paying yeah, for oh, my yeah. internet. Get me wrong. I'm very much yeah. the idea of me automatically opting in is atrocious. I just that wondered... like to me, I, I feel like that's the big thing. But yeah, go ahead. No, I just wonder what that was because I think um, I'm on a different internet provider now but in the uk mm-hmm. i think uh virgin which does uh internet service here as well they do a similar sharing of there's like yep. a collective uh you know login log into a web browser but you do have to log in with your id and stuff so it's very much mm-hmm. traceable to who and they, you are. they do that here in the u.s too uh ben yeah, points out that here. optimum routers do that at&t was mm-hmm. actually one of the first companies to do that with mm. uh with their thing and we've written about that. If you go look back at like Engadget coverage from like 2013, 2014, we talked about it. Yeah, other companies have done this and certainly in a way that's probably a little more even bandwidth intensive. Um, you were renting these routers from these companies. In many cases, you cannot buy a replacement. Like uh, I have AT&T gigabit service right now. They just, they don't have the things you can buy on Amazon like they do for cable modems, you know? So a lot of times you're trapped with these devices and yeah, you can opt out, but it does kind of suck that these companies can basically turn you into a bandwidth sharer if you don't want and open up security I think issues. that's, yeah. that's the difference yeah. too, right? Like when, when with Amazon, with like an optimum or something, you know, you're getting into some sort of internet service and you more or less have a little bit more expectations as to like sure. Wi-Fi routers on their own just yeah, it's kind of connected to the service or but right. But when you buy an Echo speaker, you're not thinking it will one day turn into a range extender. This is literally a Trojan horse. Yeah, this pisses me the f off. I'm sorry. When I saw this, I don't. I think it was over the weekend. I got so mad. I think my blood pressure went up. We knew, yeah, and we knew this feature was coming for years too. But I think like now that it has been. Like, we know the full extent of it. It is infuriating. Is this the worst of what Amazon has done so far? Yeah. It's just so incredibly to, arrogant. <laughs> it's just yeah, incredibly yeah. arrogant. It is. It's assumption. But anyway, mm-hmm. according to... Just to give you guys a bit more detail on the on the actual amount of data, it's uh, taking out about a small chunk of your internet bandwidth, mm-hmm. according to them. Uh, 80 kilobits per second per bridge and up to 500 megabytes of monthly data in total. To share with your neighbors. Mm-hmm. And it uses Bluetooth uh, and other frequencies to expand coverage area. Currently just in the US, mm-hmm. but just kind of wild. I, I think I, functionally, it is a good idea to have that sort of like sharing as a backup, basically. So if your neighbor's internet goes down, they have like home security or something like just yes. a little bit of data. That's fine. But yes. make it make it opt in. Make it something I have to right. choose to do. 
uh, because then at least like you have some sort of control as a consumer. Yeah, the, exactly. And DaVinci brings out a good point, which is the reasoning behind Sidewalk in the first place is that like all your devices, your smart home devices that were connected to mm-hmm. the to the internet to work need a backup point in case like as a fail safe, right? And instead of having like a, I don't know, a generator run your power nonstop or like, you know, if internet goes out uh, only in your apartment and not next door, then you still have a way to turn off your lights or something, right? But idea is nice in theory the way they've executed this opt-in like davindra said is just not cool not cool and anyway they do companies do this because they can't because nobody has been pushing back and they haven't been hey look at&t has done it optimum has done it what's the problem with me doing it this is uh, the kind of case where it's like oh, we need better consumer i've never you know? seen share so mad about something ridiculous <laughs> oh it's just i haven't gotten mad in front of you lately but this this did piss me off your rage if you guys go look at the live stream if you're listening to the audio podcast sherlyn's rage definitely shook the screen she also day. just slammed her phone down at the end of the segment and she by went. accident by accident <laughs> um, i'm still cute <laughs> Let's talk about something you like, Shalin. Let's talk about Android. Yeah, and actually, there was still some other stuff that happened this week, and I wanted to do kind of a quick run-through of all the other news that we went through, right? So, okay, and this week was all about WGBDC, except for Android 12's public beta 2 is out. Uh, Google released yesterday. Just as important. Can we cut Cher's mic? Can we cut it? Um, this this update brings with it the privacy dashboard that was announced at Google I.O. as well as the camera mic toggles and indicators that I was looking forward to. So I can't wait to try that out. And you can too if you're already enrolled in the beta or if you're willing to give unstable software a go. Uh, another piece of news this week, President Biden has revoked the Trump orders that were aimed at TikTok and WeChat. <laughs> this nonstop back and forth for these companies is continuing oh my god i I wish there was a press conference where he just like took the text of that order and like flushed it down the toilet like that's just really that's all we need yeah oh my gosh uh but it does say it's not like hey you're free to operate however you want of course biden has a new order signed uh that's requiring security reviews of some of these apps uh like tiktok and wechat uh and and a few others uh yeah. yeah, as they should, and it, but it sets out some guidelines for so-called evidence-based analysis of these apps, which is which good. means you can't um, lodge a international like uh, <laughs> fit when somebody is mean to you on TikTok. How about that? Right, like, or or yeah. because they didn't they TikTok users you know on mass signed up for yeah. rallies and yeah. then didn't Love turn it. up, Love and it. then you're like. Yeah. Well, something else happened this week. We had a very popular gadget from 2019 get an updated version mm-hmm. releases. Your Sony uh, has unveiled the WF-1000XM4 They are uh, so bad at earbuds. model names, man. But yeah, yeah, the names are awful, awful. But we have a full review up by our resident audio guru, Billy Steele. And he liked it. Short story. Likes it. Um, but expensive. he does warn yeah. that. They are very, very much more expensive, two hundred and eighty dollars. Um, but he does warn that there is one change on the M4 that might cause mm-hmm. some issues for you. I'm not gonna spoil what those were, <laughs> but it does sound like why, overall. Why not? <laughs> it could be. It, it, it could because, be because because it could be. I don't really know. <laughs> it's a. It's the earbud. It's the earbud tips. 
Wow. Yeah, wow. he said that the new ear tips can be awkward in his con. And Sony, um, Sony used to like, they've done such a great job with the last set, but they were so big and so weirdly designed that they never felt comfortable. Personally, like I still, I usually have AirPods Pro on just because they're lighter and they sound good enough. Like they're good enough yeah. for what the I need. The noise cancellation um, is also good enough. But yeah, the Sony, yeah. I also had the, the, the Model 3s, the predecessor yeah. of these ones. And they're, so really, they're really, they sound very good. The noise cancellation is probably the best I've had on wireless buds. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to, I want to test these ones out. Uh, Sony UK said they haven't got them in stock here. So that's an outrage. But yeah, um, I'm looking forward to testing them at some yeah. point. So Sony's also probably, I, I wrote a piece uh, a couple of weeks ago about will, will Sony ever claim its former glory? And uh, <laughs> Sony's yeah, probably well, mad I've, at that. I've definitely, ri- right I've definitely <laughs> written that that same story. You wrote that in 2014. Yeah. I've at least I've, I've been at Engadget appro- yeah, I've been at Engadget approximately 10 years, so I've definitely written that story at least twice. Definitely. It, it is funny though to get a call from Sony PR the morning after that story goes up and they're like, uh, "What's up? What's going on here? Are you Be okay? better. Be better, too. Sony." Yeah. <laughs> well, we also have some listener mail we wanted to get to and this was from a while ago and uh we're sorry it took so, it took us so long to get busy to time. it. Busy time. But yeah. our yeah, our it's it's a heavy news month. But regular listener uh Mark Dell sent in a question that those of you who are in the podcast can listen to right now. This is Mark Dell's question. Hi there, Dravindra and Sherlin. This is Mark Dell and I was wondering if you buy any movies digitally or if you stick to things like Netflix and Hulu. I was looking to find a store that would be very cross-platform and maybe has a good few deals every now and then. High quality, you know, all the good stuff. I uh, love the show. Thank you. So Devendra, this feels like a squarely you question, sure. even though I also have some thoughts. But what do you think? It really depends on the ecosystems you're in. I feel like that's it. The I think the best no, like the best like platform free option is Vudu just because they have great quality. They've been around forever. They have a good selection of things, but I think the best one that is kind of like more locked into a platform is iTunes just because Apple gets a lot of exclusives and they're the only ones that get really good special features with some movies. So if you care about movie commentaries, if you care about, you know, some of the behind the scenes stuff you used to get on DVDs and Blu-rays, you really can only get that on iTunes. Um, So there's that. Uh, the, it used to be you were mainly locked in to the Apple TV if you were buying stuff on iTunes, but Apple has since opened up. There's an Apple TV app on TVs now. It's on game consoles. It's on Roku devices. So you don't really lose anything anymore by buying on iTunes. I actually need to double check the special feature stuff and make sure all that works. But it should like, yeah, I haven't seen the major issue with that. Um, I also really appreciate the fact that when we reviewed the Apple TV 4K several years ago, was that 2017? Um, Apple was the first company to give reasonable pricing for 4K movies. So their 4K movies were the same price as like the old HD ones. So it was like 15 to $20. At that time, Voodoo was was selling 4K for $30, $30 plus. And then Apple Insane. also started automatically upgrading HD movies to 4K yeah, for free, I that. Yeah. which is also super great. Voodoo didn't really do that. They did that was like, I think some franchises, I think like the Batman movies or something, um, they've done that a little bit. But across the board, that's something Apple has done. And when the Disney movies were available in 4K, all of a sudden, anybody who bought any, you know, all the Disney stuff, you had a 4K Dolby Vision version, you know, of that movie for no extra cost. So I do appreciate all that. 
And if you use iTunes, uh, all that stuff does connect to uh, what, what's the movie sir? Movies Anywhere. So you can also use the Movies Anywhere app to look at things on other services too. So iTunes for me is is the big one because I have an Apple TV and everything. I, I mean, Dev does bring up a very good point, which is that my answer was going to be, I am a Google ecosystem person. So I buy all my stuff on Play Movies and TV mm-hmm. and, you know, YouTube, whenever, you know, that, but, and, and I, I like that things that I buy across the YouTube uh, Google ecosystem show up in the one place. Like for yeah, me, it's important yeah. that they're all in one place. And then they then appear on all the other devices that are connected to that one account. So my my Chromecast has it, my Google TV has it, my phones have it, I can play it wherever. Um, so that's what's important for me. But the Vinger's point about the special features and the you know behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, video you know, quality too. Being, I don't know if Google Play does like 4K Dolby Vision and all the fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, not Dolby Vision, I don't think, mm-hmm. but I don't also always watch in 4K. Um, but yeah, if that's important to you too, that's that's a thing to look out for. I will say the behind the scenes stuff is not something I considered until Disney Plus like made it clear to yep. me that there's still so much bonus content that like I'm missing out on. So that's something that you like to get, and you don't want to like just have to like dig through YouTube for blooper reels and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it sounds like iTunes might be a good one. I love commentary tracks, and also if you have an iPhone and you have you're watching a movie with special features, you could just start playing the commentary track there, you know, and listen to it like a podcast. So all that stuff is good. So Mark, we hope that answered your question. Please let us know. And if anyone else, yeah. And then if anyone else listening has other questions like this question or any other tech related or world life related question, please send them our way to podcast at Engadget.com. And if you want to hear your voice on the podcast too, send us a voice note, send us a little voice recording of you telling us your question, if that's easy or convenient. It's always nice to get more voices on the show. Thanks. Let's move on to what we've been working on. I just want to quickly shout out, hey, hey, too too many reviews. (laughs) Too many damn reviews. Uh, I have my review of the NVIDIA RTX 3070 Ti going up. Uh, it went up this week. Uh, I, I was not as impressed as I was with the 3080 Ti. Okay. Um, so, yeah, go check that out. Kind of a disappointment. But also, you can't buy these things for the retail price anywhere. So, good luck with any of that. My mm-hmm. main conclusion with this review is if you find the 3070 or the 3070 Ti or the 3080 on sale anywhere, that is basically a $200 price range. You know, just, just get it. Get it, because you won't find it again. So get whatever one you can afford. I think that's the big takeaway there. I'm working on some Father's Day gift guide stuff. And uh, the Toyota Sienna Hybrid that I talked about a couple months ago, I'll be writing that uh, up for Father's Day stuff as well. And maybe I'll be doing more family car stuff too, because uh, I find that really fun and interesting. And also my daughter loves going into new cars. Like she's a budding (laughs) tech head. Like every time we go in a new car, she's like, whoa, uh we were in the model y uh i did a test drive in the tesla model y she looked at the ceiling was like that look at that like the (laughs) whole ceiling is glass you know like she notices things so i do appreciate that sherlyn what's up with you so i'm still reviewing a laptop and i've been doing wwdc briefings all week (sighs) and then i got more secret stuff coming up that i can't tell people about uh i do want to shout out really quickly our video producer uh live Sorry, live stream operator Julio Barrientos has been working on some very important stuff. Julio, not sure if you can shout out what you are working on yourself. Um, Julio has been working on some Engadget memes, and you can check them oh out if you tune into our live stream Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, thereabouts. Uh, they're pretty fun, and you can see them yeah. on Twitter too. That's the only way you'll see the horrific uh, Twitter, uh, what is it? Chris Velasco's Garfield. 
Velasque Field. Oh God, yeah. the Velasque Field. No, that was a uh, that was I think Mark Dell. Um, oh yeah, that's true. That's true. That was too. Mark Dell. But it, you can only yeah. see the stuff on the live stream. And Julio's our <laughs> great meme king with the dogs and the meme pets. lord. Yeah, meme lord. Uh, <laughs> oh, we've got Matt. Matt, what are you working on? Uh, I'm also mostly working on memes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You just want to be week. a TikTok influencer yeah, now. Just yeah. want to. Just want. I don't think thirty six is too old. Um, for me, work wise, <laughs> yes, this is the week of E three. A little bit of WWDC at the start of the week. Um, as you can probably tell by my eyes, I'm already very tired. Um, so yeah, I've got a, a cool, a, some few cool pieces in the works for E three. Um, once nice. I get time to play the Final Fantasy seven remake intermission, I'll probably write that up and uh, yeah. That should be fun. I, I think I coined it to my editor-in-chief of this is, given that we weren't going to meet the embargo, this is probably low priority, high interest. So it'll get sure. done, but it's just not <laughs> the most important thing to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, a shout out to um, my newsletter co-worker who won't be here much longer either. Aww. So um, yeah, Richard Lawler, I'll be talking talking about him a bit later in the morning after newsletter at the weekend. But yeah, so I'm going to be even more busy starting next week with the newsletter stuff. Um, so yeah, that's exciting too. Yay. We're going to miss Richard. We're going to miss Arla, as we call him. Um, yeah. But uh, you will find him on the internet and he is now uh, one of our, uh, he, he's now a competitor. I must destroy him. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> you'll see what's up soon, folks. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. Sherlyn, what is uh, what, what's your secret pop culture pick? This I week? got, I got, I got three things. Number one, of course, let's start off with freaking Loki. Sure, like sure. Sherlyn Loki. Um, I'm going to like sure, I Loki. saw this episode. Yeah. Sherlyn Loki. Um, <laughs> I'm Loki. Loki. Get it? Anyway. Mm. Um. Last night, uh, the well, yesterday, Wednesday, uh, Disney Plus, you know, made the a debut episode of this series available. So I watched it last night, and it's basically is freaking awesome. I mean, it's clear this is what is what's leading up to uh, Doctor Strange's multiverse sure, of madness. Sure. But um, I don't know if either of you have watched the new episode. I yet, have. Uh, I did. Dev or Matt. This is it's did really you like good. It? I loved I, it. Really. Yeah, good. I haven't so quite good. finished the episode, but it's got to the. Gra- uh, I don't want to. Okay. The, the final kind of. This is who you're going to be. You know, mm-hmm. working for mm-hmm. us for. I've just heard that name. So I need to. So okay, I really okay, need to okay. see the final twenty minutes. Yeah. But um, yeah, it looks yeah. really polished. It it looks so <laughs> seamless oh, with so the movies, good. which I really yeah. like. And I think One Division kind of did that later on, in that it mm-hmm. still felt yeah. movie esque. But this does it without any of the kind of dressing of you know, yeah, uh, sitcom yeah. tribute and the rest of it. So yeah, I really Shout like out. it so far. I, I I got like good place vibes a lot of the time. There's a lot of that, episode, yeah. The concept, yeah. There's a lot of that, and an actual actor from the Good Place, uh, Pillboy, was yeah, there. Pillboy, yes. <laughs> there was a yes, whole yes. <laughs> <laughs> playing basically the same character. Yeah. Uh, there was a moment. Uh, one of the lines of dialogue is someone asks him what is his name, and I I straight up shouted Pillboy, <laughs> and then no one was there to <laughs> and enjoy no, the moment. And nobody was there in your apartment I, to uh, to enjoy yeah, that. Quit. This is why I need share play with Matt. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Can I tie it all can, together? Can I opt no. out like the Amazon speaker? Can I opt out of No, you, you can cannot. just put her on mute. Feature. You know, just do the this chat. Is a default. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, Loki, fun ride, looking shaping up to be a very good season. Uh the first episode was 51 minutes long, including it's, all the credits and stuff. It's good. Well, um, let me just say Captain really, uh really uh the Falcon the Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier was real bad. 
Real bad. Like it, uh, I think it started strong and got dumb real quick. Yeah. Um, and WandaVision yeah, kind of petered out towards the end. Like I really liked a lot of what WandaVision was doing, but mm-hmm. some of it was hit or miss. I didn't care about some of the early sitcom stuff, uh, but this one just feels like it's really yeah. well written. I love the design yeah. of it. It is very like Terry Gilliam. Yeah. It is very like mm-hmm. Brazil meets MCU meets like time crimes the and time cops. I love it. Yeah. 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 The set, the concept of the show is amazing. I I, I adore it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's it takes off right after uh, Endgame, I believe. Uh, so what if you're a Marvel fan, you're gonna love it. Uh, even as a standalone show, I think you're gonna love it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I have two more picks, so let's get to it. Yep. One, the other pick, uh, was more of a debate topic, really. Uh, I've been looking forward to the latest Conjuring <laughs> movie for a. You're very, on video, Matt. You're you're like. We can see you can rolling see your head extreme. Just for the record, for everyone <laughs> that's watching this stream, Sherlin has already taken my pop culture pick and said it's it as true. her first thing oh, of three. So she's already taken the single thing <laughs> that I was going to say and then I'm kind sorry. of ruined it with okay. a really lazy take on it. Why don't we say that this is yours? Why don't we say that this is yours? This is your pick. Go sure, ahead. Sure. Definitely Talk do about not it. want the conjuring. No. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, anyway. The, oh, because I took Loki. Anyway, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It is the latest in The Conjuring series of movies um, starring Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga. Farmiga, um, yeah. And Farmiga. Mm-hmm. Um I I like it because I just love the Conjuring movies that star the pair of them. And I think they're very strong characters sure. for this series. Sure. I, I mean, the p- people they're actually based on a little bit different. But uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, these um, supernatural... Paranormal uh, investigators, yeah. Paranormal investigators. Uh, yeah, I was looking for the right word for it. And uh, yeah, they, they encounter another case. It's fun. James Wan is not the director, but he is the one of the producers and the believe the creators mm-hmm. uh of this one he made the I, franchise just like the software he made the whole franchise yeah. yeah yeah um i i liked it a lot just because of that right I, I like the universe i've already liked the established characters so for me this was a great ride but davindra i hear you did not like this i know this movie's bad this movie is real bad and i think like <laughs> if you're a real conjuring fan and not a fake conjuring fan uh, wow. you can uh you could see it distinct Out like there's a precipitous blood. drop in quality from the first conjuring which is a masterpiece i think you should see it matt like just in terms of like modern horror movies he basically really reinvented the ha- the haunted house movie and there are some mm-hmm. sequences in that that are still like unmatched in horror films today the conjuring 2 actually moves to london so it goes to like yep uh Conjuring 2 was pretty good. Yeah, Conjuring 2 is all right. It's, I feel like it was a step down. This one feels like the franchise fell off a cliff because it's really badly written. I don't care about this case. This case is a literal, it's an actual murder where somebody said that they were possessed by the devil, which makes it feel grosser than a haunted house movie, right? Where it's so, oh, fun, so fun, fun haunted house. But this was a real murder involving was, real people. Right. Yeah. Right. right. That was what I thought was interesting about it, though, was that like the way they set this up was that it's not really just a horror movie. It's actually a mystery movie, sort of, more uh, than anything else. Uh, um, I, I just discovered it's on Netflix, Matt the is, first one. So I Yes, can it's it. on Netflix. Yes, Go it check is. it out. Go yeah. check it out. Watch it at night with the lights off. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely more of a, a, a mystery movie than it is rooted in horror, even though there are elements of supernatural. But, it, you know, when I was watching some yeah. of the, again, exclusive content behind the scenes and stuff like that, James Wan himself said he wanted to kind of 
do something different with this and and make it more of a mystery setup, right? You're not just, yeah. it's almost a procedural at some point. It, it, it is kind of like a courtroom movie where they forgot to do the courtroom yeah. scenes. I know why, I actually, <laughs> yeah. I know why you like this movie, Shulin. And I can say it like in, in two words. John Noble, Mr. John Noble from Fringe, appears yes. in this. And I love John Noble. He's He's great, John, but when John Noble John he Noble. showed up and I screamed again. John Noble I was like, was like oh the you you probably would actually know his voice too, Matt. But he was like the 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 mad scientist guy in Fringe, and he has a great great voice. So when John oh, Noble so appears, good. you're also like, I can, I can't trust this guy, you know. Like uh, yeah. anyway, yeah. anyway, this movie is bad, but I'm glad you liked it, Trilly. Uh, if you want to hear, so good in it too. If you want to hear further thoughts, uh, I reviewed it on the Slash Filmcast. That was our big review. I also we also go into like what is up with Ed and Lorraine Warren? Because uh, I grew up reading their stuff. Yeah. Like these are the folks that made yeah. the Amityville horror, like a thing in pop culture. Yes. Like they're big pop culture yes. personalities. They are quite literally charlatans in many ways. And Ed Warren is not a great guy. Like th- there was news about him, like uh, just doing really gross things, like not being a good dude. So I, yeah, they're, they're, they're not, really a thing i follow anymore i did see lorraine warren she did a lecture while i was in college uh so in like 2004 she they they brought her in for like one of those halloween things and that is how they made money they made money with the lecture circuit and their books so she's really compelling she's a good storyteller but yeah their background's not so great the best thing about these movies is that relationship so you know it's, it's the it. fictional relationship within the universe yeah. anyway i i feel like i'm gonna save my third one uh for the next episode then in this case because sure. i feel like we've got a lot sure so, we've got yeah. so much um matt or def what do you guys go matt go about? matt i've got nothing now haven't i you like, got nothing you're low-key you low-key Sh- what though sherlin low didn't key? look yeah sherlin didn't look at the notes didn't try didn't prepare at all <laughs> excuse me i don't see any business, notes here matt business as usual on the podcast <laughs> thank you like dev said there is no notes there, there. There's, the notes are actually empty so well, we agree with you on Loki, right? Loki's Did you good. have any thoughts to add about Loki? No, you, like I said, you ruined it with your terrible take. <laughs> well, I do appreciate, Matt, you are, if you guys go look at the video stream, uh, Matt is slowly doing his Nordic Viking cosplay. Uh, so you are you want to be in a Loki I, thing I at some point. I how much I'm stroking it when I see myself <laughs> on really camera. You Like, oh, it makes man. me look nefarious. It never quite, quite, I think it's a bit lopsided. So I, don't I, think, know, I, th- like, I think it's looking good. But uh, somebody, a real yes. meme lord out there should superimpose Matt's head on the Techno Viking video, horns. which uh, I, yeah. I really feel Techno Viking vibes going on here. Let me just shout out a couple things. Um, I've been watching the show on Peacock, which is, I hate saying, <laughs> I hate saying Peacock. Um, <laughs> it is the one streaming service that just has never quite won me over. Then I saw this show called We Are Lady Parts, which I really love. It is fantastic. It is a show about a Muslim uh, all-girl punk band uh, in London where, yeah, they're, it's, it's just a punk band. It's just girls trying to like do cool things and make some music. Uh, it's created by Anita Manzur. The whole premise is that you know there's this three-piece punk band. They're looking for a lead guitarist, and that, that is the main thrust of it. It is very much like... Fleabag meets uh, Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim because there's a lot of music in there, but it's also about like relationships and modern life and also life about Muslim women, which we don't normally get to see in any sort of TV. So I really appreciate that. And it's really well written. Love all the characters. It's really funny. The music is good. Uh, I am. Let me say I like the show enough that I have subscribed to the Peacock. 
just because of uh, just oh, to shoot. finish it. So there's this. Uh, there's also uh, Girls Five Eva, which I talked about last week, which is pretty mm-hmm. good. This is better. Um, and also the Saved by the Bell remake, which weirdly is a great, great remake. I'll be checking those out and then canceling Peacock. But worth, <laughs> this show was worth watching. Yeah. Uh, that was my plan for Disney Plus, but then I accidentally bought a year. Accidentally. It seemed cheaper. Accidentally. Seemed that's, uh, that's what Same. they do to you. Yeah. Also want to shout out the latest episode of Mythic Quest, season two, episode ah, six, yeah. which so is we love it, we've been loving Mythic Quest. Trill and I have talked about it. This episode mm-hmm. is a lot like the mid-season episode last year, mm-hmm. where it is just like a complete uh, standalone thing that takes you out of the like workplace universe of mythic quest and tells you some backstory about one of the characters i thought it was really yeah, well you're done talking about the episode named backstory the episode right? <laughs> actually named backstory it is really well done it's set in la in the 70s and it's all about science fiction and the world of like trying to get into being a science fiction author and things like that fantastic episode and tells us a lot about this main character too so hey watch mythic quest i think it's one of the best things on tv right now that's on apple tv plus Well, that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elm. You can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter and at the Slash Filmcast reviewing movies and telling you why The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It is, is bad. If you need Matt Smith, he is online at... At that Matt Smith, that's Matt with one T, and everywhere else where you find your internet. If you want to send me all kinds of random cameos that John Noble has made over his lifetime and oh, career, man. Legends of Tomorrow, he made a great one. Oh, yeah. Send me all of those. I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts, feedback, and questions at podcastandengadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Spotted dick. Uh. Uh.